0: Today's episode of The Rewatchables is brought to you by State Farm. Around here, we love talking about movies that we watch, rewatch, and watch again because they're just that good. It's the thoughtful details, the little things other movies don't have that keep us coming back. Here's the deal. When it comes to insurance, we can't get enough of State Farm. They have all the details we appreciate. They make insurance easy. You can monitor your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim through their app, which was awarded Best Insurance Mobile App 2019. And thanks to their network of 19,000 agents, you'll have someone local to walk you through options, help you choose a policy that meets your individual needs versus cookie cutter coverage. Best of all, they can give it to you straight. No gimmicks, no games, just guidance you can count on. It's a no-brainer. Go out and get the insurance you deserve. Get State Farm like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. Get a quote or find an agent at statefarm.com. We're also brought to you by World Central Kitchen. Help the heroes in hospitals and clinics who are fighting for us. And you can help keep your local restaurants alive. Go to theringer.com slash WCK to donate. We're trying to raise $250,000 this month if you have the means. It's an unbelievably great, useful cause. Helps our hospital heroes, emergency workers, local restaurants. Please give whatever you can. The money goes directly to World Central Kitchen. It's a charitable donation. Once again, that is theringer.com slash WCK. We're also brought to you by our new podcast, TV Concierge exclusive on Spotify, little mini podcasts about different uh, things in the streaming universe. Shay's already been on one. He broke down yes, excavation. excavation. Uh, I've been on one. I broke down the atrocious little fires everywhere, but you can find it on Spotify. There's at least one new podcast every day, Monday through Friday. And we really like this idea. So we're ready to go. Coming up. Touch me. He dies. If you're not in the air in 30 seconds, he dies. If you come back, he dies.
1: <laughs>
2: Escape from New York is next. <laughs> If he climbs over the wall, they'll blow him off. If he tries to fly over the river, they'll shoot him
0: down. If he comes back alone, they'll explode his brain. New York, 1997. One man has 24 hours to break in and break out before it's too late for escape. John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Break it off. All right, Chase Serrano is here. Chris Ryan is here. I, I thought long and hard about should we have squeezed Jason Concepcion in here as well and done a four-man Zoom. I don't know if that breaks Zoom rules. Are you allowed to have a four-person podcast on Zoom? I didn't find out, so my apologies You can have as him. many
3: people as you want, Bill. Uh, we should have had them.
0: Uh, I'll start here. This is one of the greatest premises ever for a movie. 1981, it's so far ahead of its time in so many ways. Um where does, Shay? where does this rank for you in the all-time action movie premise pantheon of just somebody pitching this in one sentence in a room and people going, oh, yeah, good idea.
1: If we're talking all time, this is, this is easily a top five pick. Like, I don't, I, as soon as you say that, I don't know what the other four are, but I know one of them is Escape from New York. It just is too easy. It's probably this one, uh, Predator, some guys fight an alien in the jungle. Like, those two are untouchable. Diehard's the up there. Diehard, sure.
0: I would put First Blood in there, too, where it's like, Vietnam vet, having some prob- trouble reassimilating, goes to the wrong town.
3: Probably They face start off.
0: fucking with him. He goes into the mountains to get away, and all hell breaks loose. It's just yeah. like, oh, yeah, I'm in. What happens next?
3: Face-off is up there.
0: Oh, face-off. I think
1: the reason that this one would probably probably be first place is because the description that you just gave for for that movie is is really long. With, with Escape from New York, you go, uh, New York is a prison and good luck. And that's it. And you're like, <laughs> fuck yes, let's go on whatever the rest of the details are, I'm in. Here's what it says in Wikipedia.
0: Set in the near future world of 1997, which is funny in itself because <laughs> when this movie came out, it seemed so far away. A crime-ridden United States... Has converted Manhattan Island in New York City into the country's maximum security prison. Air Force One is hijacked by terrorists and is purposely crashed in New York City. Ex-soldier and current federal prisoner, parentheses, Snake Puskin, is given just 24 hours to go in and rescue the president of the United States. After which, if successful, Snake will be pardoned. It's just flawless. It's, it's like perfect.
3: a it's like a great song where the guitar riff starts, and you're like, this is a good guitar riff. And then mm-hmm. the bass comes in, and you're like, you know what? This is a pretty good bass. And then <laughs> John Bonham starts. And you're like, oh my God. It's like when this movie starts, and the synths come in, you're like, this is pretty cool. It's called Escape for New York. How could it be bad? And then Jamie Lee Curtis starts talking. The once great city of New York becomes the one maximum security prison for the entire country. A 50-foot containment wall is erected along the New Jersey shoreline, across the Harlem River, and down along the Brooklyn shoreline. It completely surrounds Manhattan Island. All bridges and waterways are mined. The United States police force, like an army, is encamped around the island. There are no guards inside the prison, only prisoners and the worlds they have made. The rules are simple. Once you go in, you don't come out. Shoot this thing into my jugular and just kill me with it.
0: (laughs) Uh, John Carpenter. So when this came out in 1981, Halloween was the thing. Halloween had had basically reinvented the horror genre and then became ripped off for the next 10 years and became one of the most successful small budget movies ever. And it's like, what's your next project? John Carpenter wrote this film in the mid-70s, and he had done it in reaction to the Watergate scandal, and nobody wanted to make it. It was just too weird. He said it was too dark, too violent, too scary, too weird. He'd been inspired by Death Wish and how it, quote, conveyed the sense of New York as a kind of jungle. I wanted to make a science fiction film along those lines. So then Halloween becomes a smash hit, and he dusts this thing off, which... I'm guessing in the 70s, God only knows, you know, the late 70s were wild. I'm sure he's at a few Hollywood parties, you know, probably some dinners, probably talking to studio execs. And like, John, any other ideas? And he's like, Yeah, I have this one. <laughs> the <This> script. <laughs> and he's pitching it. And they must have been like, Oh my God, how yeah, can you make this? Take my money. Yeah. Yeah, here. So it he it had a six million dollar budget. But um, what's interesting shay the landscape and you care about action movies as much as me and Chris maybe even 10% more the landscape of action movies changes right here mm-hmm. this is in my opinion the first modern action movie this paves okay. the way for rambo this paves the way for all the stallone movies this pa- paves the way for arnold you have a wise cracking hero who's a little bit of an anti-hero being thrust into an impossible situation, winning. Is there anything before this movie that you can think of?
1: No, this was, a, this was the first one I, I can remember finding that was like, prior to this, most of the action movies were like Western tinged a little bit. And then this one shows up and it's like, oh shit, you can do whatever you want with an action movie. You can make it however weird you want. Uh, as long as you do it, as well as this, it's going to... It's going to work. And once you open that door, that's how you end up with all, like a, uh, like the ones that we love the most are usually the the weirdest ones. Like well, predator. And we're going to probably keep coming back to that one. It doesn't make sense that that movie would be that good, but it was because we had already established as long as you like lean into it, it's going to work out pretty
3: great. Yeah. The thing with uh carpenter around this time is I think he goes on arguably the best five B-movie run, if you want to call them B-movies, but the five like genre movie run, the five movies he does to come out of the gate after Dark Star. Well, there's Assault on Precinct 13, Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, and The Thing. Any one of those could be rewatchables. All of them are just as like absolutely rock solid today as they were when they were made. They were all made on relative shoestring budgets. And they were all visionary. Like They all are basically still being imitated today. His ability to mix genre is seamless. When you're watching this movie, when you're watching Escape from New York, you're watching a Western, you're watching a gangster movie, you're watching a war movie, you're watching Mm -hmm. a prison heist, a a heist movie and a prison break movie, and you're watching a dystopian movie that's on the level of like Mad Max and Road Warrior. (laughs) And it has the best sci-fi score with the exception of Blade Runner that I think I've ever heard. And he and did think, the score. He did the score. Right. He's playing the synths.
0: And the same thing with Halloween, where part of the carpenter magic was was the sound.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And he always nailed it. And Escape from New York, the way it starts with the opening credits, which are pretty slow, but it's very similar to Halloween. And we, we can do this later, or we can do this now, but I think we should do it now. There's a deleted scene that's on the internet. I mailed you guys last night. This movie originally starts with how Snake Plissken got arrested in the first place where he robs this bank. He's a war hero, robs a bank with Fresno Bob. Yeah. Tough beat. Two of them. Yeah. (laughs) And they're escaping and they're in this like high tech next world subway system. I don't, do you guys even,
3: cause you even figure out where they would have filmed that. It seems like they built it and it was expensive. And I I couldn't tell if that was like the LA subway system that they've redressed or what. It was crazy. And it's, I actually really like that scene. I think they could have edited
0: it, but I think you can make a case the movie should have started with that scene and then gone into the opening credits. On the other hand, I love the opening credits with the music, and it just kind of gets you in the mood. shade it. How much did they leave on the table with nineteen ninety seven maximum security prison New york like it, this easily could have been twenty five hours
1: oh yeah you i I would have watched whatever the longest version of this movie is. Uh, I absolutely would have watched it, but when you sent that clip, that was the first time I'd ever even considered like thinking about what it was that Snake had done to get in prison. And it was not even a, a thing, which I think is part of the reason this movie is so much fun to, to watch because they give you just enough of everything that you kind of don't have. It's not that you don't have time to ask questions about anything, but you just sort of don't want to. Right. So it's like, let me let me see what's going to happen next. It's like the the whole movie. It feels like you're sort of falling over your own feet just trying to keep up with all of this stuff that he's laid out. Like, It's it's unreal how
3: good this is to rewatch today 40 years later, nearly. You think about, like, this is a really good way to put it. If you get invited to go to a bar with some people, right, and you don't know them. So, like, one of your friends is like, come, come meet me and my friends at a bar. And you go and sit down at the bar. And all the people at the table start telling you everything about themselves and asking you questions. And they're like, well, my name is Brad, and I went to, you know... Michigan State, and this is what I like to do on the weekends, it's like, that's boring. What you wanna do is you wanna sit down and they're already talking, and you're just getting like a glimpse into their world, and you're trying to find your way into it. That's the way that they tell this story in Escape yeah. from New York. It's yeah. like you know, why do they keep thinking he's dead? That's fucking awesome. So it just yeah, keeps yeah, yeah. in the, yeah. the whole time. You're just like, why does everybody know who this guy is, and they uh-huh. think he's dead? And what's the deal with Snake and Hawk? And like, what? Why the fuck is this guy wearing an earring? And who's the Duke? All that stuff makes this movie so compulsive. If they went into like a whole thing about how the economy collapsed and this is how Manhattan they chose the where where it the the unanswerable questions for this movie is kind of what makes it so fun. <laughs> it's like where the hell did everybody in Manhattan go? <laughs> you know? Right. Like I want to know <laughs> who's Fresno Bob? Well how did this guy get the name the brain? Like all those questions are kind of what makes this movie so endlessly enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. the world they create he,
0: like he lands and just that 15 minutes when he's kind of walking around and there's like a burlesque show. And then Ernest Borgnine's like, don't go down, don't go down there. And it's like, mm-hmm. down there is going to be pretty grim. And it's just like, what is going on? How do people have electricity? What's the plumbing like? Um, where do they sleep? It's, and the movie answers none of those questions. They're just like, this is the world now and it's yeah. fucked up. What,
1: what's, what is really, to me, very appealing about this movie is they do two things that I like that are sort of the opposite of each other. And movies, like they do this thing here, where they do a similar thing in John Wick, where there's a world and they just put you in the middle of it, and they don't explain anything. You just figure it out as you go. I, I really greatly enjoy that. But also, they start the movie by very much building a sort of perimeter around where this movie is going to exist. They say, this is the situation, and these are like the pertinent details you need to know. Good luck. And you think you sort of know what it's going to look like and feel like, and you have... No idea. That burlesque show is a perfect example because he walks in there and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And, right. and the, the, the implication is that these criminals live here. And they have set up their own society. society yeah. And it's just as weird as it's going to get. And good, good luck the rest of the way. And then, right then, you know, like, okay, I can't try to figure anything else out. I just have to watch this movie and experience
3: it and, like, see what happens. I also love the fact that they open up the movie with the escape attempt. Because that's mm-hmm. the first thing you ask yourself is, oh, I wonder if people can get out. I wonder if people yeah. can scale the wall. And they're like, nope. And it's yeah. not. <laughs> There's there no parole. There's no second chances. If you try, you die. And that's it.
0: Yeah. yeah, the little touches of like when he when he steals the car and he's like, "I'm gonna go down Broadway," and Brain's like, "Oh no, don't go down Broadway." He's like, "Yeah, why? <laughs> what could happen?" It's it's a complete shit show. But this whole world, I wanted it to know so much more. Like, what was the Upper East Side like? Yeah, what, what was was Brooklyn involved at all? Or Brooklyn, you're fine if you're in Brooklyn. I guess, I guess you. Brooklyn isn't part of this, right? It's just Manhattan Island. Well, I would Manhattan imagine Island.
3: that Jersey City and Brooklyn and, and Hoboken and all the towns like surrounding New York are essentially where the police force lives.
0: Yeah, that's tough. That's a tough beat for like the people right over the water. Like, where do you live?
3: Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> stone's throw away from the maximum
0: security city prison. Yeah, but it wasn't like, I, I think
3: in 1981, it wasn't like the yeah, 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 as we're in Brooklyn. And it was like, oh, no, we have to get rid of like all this great pop culture. <laughs> true, true. It's And, you know, he he writes this coming out of, he writes
0: it in the mid 70s, but during this era that's so fascinating with New York movies where over and over again, it's about like shit is just completely gone off the chains here. You, know, you think like Death Wish the warriors yeah these movie like cruising or the one the cruising the movie we've never done the rewatchables but all these different ones and the theme over and over again is like me uh taxi driver that Bridge like connection. new york yeah yeah new york is depraved new york is losing its mind and things are unraveling to the point that a new society could potentially build and that's what leads to this movie where it's like hey it's not inconceivable that by 97 we're going to just turn this new york into a maximum security prison Cause it's just not working right now. It's crazy to think (laughs) now, but um, do you think was, would you have said it later than 97 Shay? Were you okay with that year? Would you have gone like 2017?
1: No, I w this is, this is like a perfect about of time because if you're telling me we're setting a movie, I don't know in 2037 in my head, everything is on the table at this point, just looking at how terribly things have gone in 2020 you're like, oh, by twenty thirty-seven, this all might be on fire. We have no idea. They were right. looking at the at the same thing around that same time. Like who knows what it looks like in seventeen years.
3: Yeah, by twenty thirty seven, we're all gonna be like Romero the crazy, you know, with the- <laughs>
1: Shay's gonna be in Texas. It'll be
0: another country by then. Yeah, like I'm Texas, hoping. California, they'll be their own countries. I'm all hoping. hell's gonna be breaking this. Uh so this movie, I want to get to the categories because there's so much to cover. This movie, $6 million budget, made $25 million, was a top 35 movie of 1981, 85 on Rotten Tomatoes. One of the first movies that really had the run of VHS, Laserdisc, DVD, Blu-ray, over and over again, they're releasing new editions, mm-hmm. there's director commentaries, they had lost the original negative, they found it. 20 years after the movie or something, they had to release the DVD again with the with the uh deleted scene of the opening they found. And this cult emerged with the movie that, you know, it was like the Warriors. It was this movie. There were a few of them. But it it the cult grew to the point that they decided to make the sequel and they made Escape from LA, which just sadly wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. It uh it just didn't do it. And it in a weird way it made it seem like Oh, we, this movie was actually so special they couldn't even pull off the sequel to it correctly. Shay, do you acknowledge Escape from L.A. or no?
1: I acknowledge the basketball scene in Escape from L.A., and then beyond that, I'm like, no, I'll just stick with the original.
0: Yeah, it's a weird miss. I, I, that, that's a movie that absolutely should have worked. Uh, Roger Ebert, two and a half stars, Escape from New York has The Misfortune. Of being a merely good thriller in a summer where the standard has already been set by Raiders of the Lost Ark, yet it's fun to see old standby science fiction ingredients rehashed for our cynical times. A little too lukewarm from Raj. I, I'm going to give him an L it's, on that one. It's also strange to be like
3: comparing it to Raiders. I guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 Although I have to say, if if Raiders and Escape from New York came out in the same summer, I would just be living in a movie theater for three months. Yeah, you'd
0: you'd have to go to therapy or something to recover. <laughs>
3: Which of those two
1: are you? Like, you have to pick. I'm either Raiders of the Lost Ark or Escape from New York.
3: I think for most of my life, I was Raiders. But at this point in American history, I may be veering (laughs) towards becoming Snake Plissken. (laughs) It's funny.
0: I was Escape from New York the whole time. I don't know why. But I also saw this movie when I was 12. And that's like when you, you know, the movies that you love the most when you're 12, 13, 14 are the movies that just become your movies. So 48 Hours and... The Warriors and all those ones. Like they I'm surprised you're not movies.
3: wearing an eye patch now. <laughs> well,
0: let's talk about Kurt Russell. Um, the casting of that. Because when I was growing up, he was like the Disney guy who was on Gilligan's Island. Yeah. And and had this Gilligan's Island cameo and was just kind of pigeonholed. I I guess the best way to maybe like Zach Efron. Like what he was for yeah. the 70s. Yeah, like he was just the guy who was in Disney movies and certainly never expected him to be a real actor. And when Carp, I'll go into the casting with have later, but when Carpenter really pushed for him, the studio was like, no fucking way. He's like the Disney guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a movie, unlike anything he'd done. I did a podcast with him. I think two years ago, we're going to run a, a snippet about uh, when he talks about escape from New York. We'll run that at the end of this podcast. Cause obviously a hugely influential movie for him made him a star. He, he knew this was his break. This was like this is my one chance to not be the Disney guy anymore. Um, I don't know what that moment was for Zac Efron. Was it that weird DJ movie he made?
3: Maybe I don't know. I think he's tried to do it with like being in comedies and stuff. You know, yeah, do, yeah. doing neighbors and stuff like that.
0: But what's crazy when Kurt came to to uh, do the pod, it was incredible. It was ten thirty in the morning. Comes in, no no entourage, by himself. Uh, just like no snake PR person anything <laughs> he's wearing a leather jacket it's like 70 degrees outside and stinks of marlboro reds because he had obviously just had one it just comes in hey i'm kurt russell hard handshake i'm like this is exactly <laughs> what i was expecting you're so on brand <laughs> kurt Russell. <Hard> handshake,
1: <laughs>
0: macho fucking dude and just old school and uh i just love what he did with snake he's basically doing a clint eastwood impersonation right but Chris, I do feel like Snake's his own distinct character, even though it's an Eastwood impersonation.
3: The whole thing is the comic timing. Like he is the the funniest without being hammy action star. He's like that in Big Trouble in Little China. He's like that in this. He's like the, that in Tango and Cash. He's he's not really like that in Tombstone. He's more serious. Val Kilmer gets all the good lines, but for that trio of movies, um, and, and and several others. He just has this ability to be somewhat knowing. Like he knows he's doing Eastwood and Bronson, and yet, really, really funny. Like, with all of his comic delivery, all of his timing with the lines is just so perfect. Also, it's just like what a transgressive move. Like, I don't even know if there is, like, there aren't really movies like Escape from New York anymore, where it's like these cheap, trashy movies that you can kind of like slum it in and go reinvent yourself by be becoming this other person in these like low budget action movies. They don't really make movies like that anymore. They make John Wick. Yeah. Was this the first movie you saw Kurt Russell in, Chris? No, I I was I was obsessed with Big Trouble in Little China. I was okay. I I knew every line of Big Trouble in Little China. I was like this is the best really? movie ever. Oh yeah, I think Big Trouble in Little China problematic as it may be like it was like I was every line in that movie. I was like, "This is." I put this in my yearbook page.
1: I feel the exact same way. That 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 was the first movie I saw Kurt Russell in Big Trouble in Little China, and then for like the I knew I knew early on that this was going to be my guy for a long time. Yeah, uh, especially that you know what old Jack Burton says at a time <laughs> like like I just yeah. I, I, I love it. I saw him in that, and then I saw him in Overboard, and then I saw him in Tango and Cash, and and this was like I didn't watch these movies when they first came out. I, I it was like you know, 10, 11, 12 years old when I first started watching them. And then I didn't come to escape from New York until like my 20s. Oh, my my uncle mentioned it or something like that. And I was in college and I was like, all right, we got a video store. Let me see it. And you sitting there watching it. Number one, I just Kurt Russell has a face that I just want to look at as yeah. often yeah. as possible. Like there's a class of actors who I just want to look at their face. Kurt Russell, um, Oscar Isaac. Julia Roberts like there's something about it. it just put it put it as big as you can get it up on the screen uh, an incredible face um, and then the intro to the movie starts and they explain everything they they like set everything up and then the music comes in and you're just like this is fucking unbelievable I, I couldn't believe rewatching it just yesterday like how exciting the intro was. To me, again, as soon as it started, as soon as I hear her talking and laying out the pieces and yeah. I'm like,
3: fuck yes,
1: here we go. I'm so pumped.
0: <laughs> um, coming back. Sorry, I had an audio issue there for uh, a little bit. So if my audio was a little off there at the beginning. One more thing on uh, Kurt Russell. You mentioned Tango and Cash. Where do we stand on that movie? Because
3: if, if you want to do a rewatchables about Tango and Cash right now, I am prepared. Yeah, I don't need to rewatch it. Like, I'm ready to go.
0: Oh, Okay. Yeah cuz I always felt like I was in the the super duper minority that movie is a sarcasm off between him and Sly yeah. <laughs> and it's completely absurd I I have no idea what's going on why how they got framed it's All-time amazing all time
3: scumbag movie like it's it's got no redeeming qualities I was deeply deeply in love with Terry Hatcher for several years during <laughs> middle school and it is it's like basically like really the only bill for Cuban links like of action <laughs> movies, you gotta really be about that to watch that movie.
0: Well, we'll do that at some point because I have a lot of thoughts. It, it's it's an amazing movie, and
3: amazing. it's this weird
0: point of Stallone's Stallone's career where he's like, it's been going really well. I'm gonna mix it up,
3: yeah. <laughs> and he and he's
0: like, now I'm gonna bring out my comedic side. It's like, no, there is no comedic side. Side. Stay, you want to talk stay, about? premises for
3: movies premises for movies it takes like 9 minutes to explain tango and cash
0: yeah 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 well <laughs> and jack jack polance we we we're going to have to uh rename the uh they knew award for the overacting he dials it up p- past 13 to like 28 uh all right uh we're let's do the categories let's take uh let's take a break and then we'll do the categories hey it's bill simmons i wanted to tell you about a new podcast on the ringer podcast network that we are launching this week. It's called TV concierge. It's only available on Spotify. These are 12 to 15 minute mini podcasts that review the latest TV shows streaming on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, HBO, Showtime, FX, Apple TV, wherever else we'll preview new shows that are launching. We'll break down the biggest shows that just launched. We'll review the biggest binge watch seasons that drop as they happen. You can listen to one, you can listen to all three. It's up to you. It's our new TV concierge podcast from the Ringer Podcast Network. Think of it like a little bit of a playlist. Pick and choose the ones you want to listen to. It's available only on Spotify. All right. Escape from New York. lot to get into here. Most rewatchable scene. First one, got to put it in. Snake getting pitched by Hawk to do the whole New York thing when we really get a sense of Snake. And he's just like... Icy sarcastic one-liners left and right mm-hmm. The plan is ridiculous Hawk does the thing where he kind of sets up What Snake's background was
2: S.D. Pliskin, American Lieutenant Special Forces Unit Black light. Two Purple Hearts, Leningrad and Siberia Youngest man to be decorated by the president He robbed the Federal Reserve Depository Life sentence, New York Maximum Security Penitentiary I'm ready to kick your ass out of the world war hero,
0: you know he he's just dropping little hints, and we're learning like, oh man, that cold war against Russia must have been something, man snake <laughs> snake fought in Siberia, he fought in leningrad, like what how long did that last? You're just kind of piecing stuff together, and snake is just you know i
1: he's just I snake. don't care
0: about anyone, he's just like if I can get out. And, and then they do the uh it goes to they put the things in his neck, which we'll get to later, the reliability of those capsules. But uh, <laughs> the scientist puts the capsules in, he's like, Did you tell him? And yeah, told like, me what.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, all of that's great. What how do you feel about Lee Van Cleef in this movie, Chris?
3: So great, you know, obviously known from the Sergio Leone films and other spaghetti westerns, one of the all-time Hollywood faces, one of the all-time great action bad guys and Western bad guys and just like a great uh, character in a lot of a lot of those movies. The thing that really takes it over the top in escape from New York is the fucking earring, the earring. (laughs) I actually asked my wife last night. I was like, should I bring hoop earrings back for guys? (laughs) (laughs) Like, just what do you think that would be like, Bill, if you came, if like when we come back to the office in late 2022. (laughs) (laughs) I have a shaved head. And, I am, and an earring? I've shaved head in an earring. Would you be like, Chris has it all figured out? Or would you be like, we need to get Chris some help? If you
0: came back from our 2022 20, two-year <laughs> office hiatus dressed as Lee Van Cleef, I'd be all in.
3: Yeah, mustache, like, oh. bald, earring,
1: and basically wearing a romper. <laughs> what What was the stretch of time period where they, where they established, if you wear an earring, you're the bad guy? In the movie, because that's the standout thing that right I remember from Karate Kid 3 There's <laughs> yeah. with the guy and he has the earring and he's in the jacuzzi, like, like on a cell phone, dumping toxic waste into a yeah. thing. You're like, you got a ponytail, you got an earring. This has got to be the worst guy in the world.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that was late 80s in action movies, was when they just dialed it up with action villains because Roadhouse had that too. It's like, this guy. Brad, Brad Wesley, <laughs> he's just the worst person in the world. He's okay. going to have parties. He's just going to destroy the town.
1: They were like, uh, when they were setting it all up, they're like, okay, if the bad guy, how do we know the bad guy's not a bad guy if he's not black or, or Mexican? And they're like, <laughs> oh, I got it. Give him an earring. <laughs> <laughs> it was either motorcycle or earring. Yeah. Bill,
3: Bill did, you ever have, did you ever pierce your ear?
1: No. 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 Never been a bad guy. No.
0: Next rewatchable scene. It's small, but- Snake. First of all, the fucking plane snake gets into is amazing. Whatever that thing is, does
1: that incredible?
0: Does that exist? Could they make that now in real life? I, I I feel like they were bending some rules of physics. And I think
1: they have those now. There's like a plane that looks almost exactly like really, that. really narrow with the super long wings, and it's just like one person or a drone or whatever. I'm pretty sure right. they exist now. He he nailed that one.
0: He's telling the president we're gonna fly out of here. on the wor-. meanwhile, it's like a one seat plane. I don't I don't know if the president was just gonna be holding on to the wing as they <laughs> flew away. But uh, he's landing on the twin towers, and it's uh, it's a weirdly poignant movie too because the twin towers are in this movie a bunch of times. He lands on the World Trade Center, and you, it just kind of sets you back because that's this movie set in '97. That would still be before 9/11. But it, mm-hmm. it's just all of it. The whole concept of he's going to land a fucking plane on the World Trade Center?
3: It's just When you're watching this in real
0: time, you're like, how's he going to do that? It seems impossible. The part that I thought they really missed was he lands a plane. It's basically teetering on the edge. But they don't show him getting out of the plane. Because you would think, like, he's getting out. He's right on the edge. That's kind of, you know, not a lot of room for error there. He's got, like, four feet. Or or he tumbles 120 stories to his death.
1: I think if we see him land an airplane on the top of a building, we can we're assume he, he got out okay. okay yeah, He's good. fine.
0: Next one. Uh, next rewatchable scene. The first Duke sighting leading into Snake stealing a car and driving through Broadway. We hear about the Duke. We don't know what's going on with the Duke. What is he? The Duke? What's that? I want to meet this Duke. You can't meet the Duke. Are you crazy? Nobody gets to meet the Duke. You meet him once and then you're dead. And then uh, we see this giant, what kind of car was that? Like a Chevy a Cadillac something? Cadillac. Yeah. With fucking chandeliers, with the chandeliers
1: on, the on there. That was a, that I saw so rewatching this. I was like, I think the Duke might've been hanging out with Mexicans. Cause that's like a thing that we just, <laughs> like we just put stuff on cars as a chandeliers. I'm like, Oh shit. He's got Mexican friends. I guarantee it.
0: What professional athlete that we have right now is most likely to break out the double chandelier automobile you had to guess.
1: J.R. Smith. Oh, yeah. J.R. Smith. He finally makes it. He gets back in the league. That's what he pulls up in. It's Dressed. funny. The, sh-
0: the chandelier tr- on the hood phase never really took off in real life.
1: It should have. It was, was kind
0: of owned by the Duke. <laughs> it should have. <happen. laughs> yeah. So we see the Duke. There's some mystery. And then we see him driving. Snake realizes he has to steal a car, pulls off an amazing, kills two dudes, and then they drive down Broadway. And that whole scene, I don't know how many extras are involved. They're all throwing shit. Uh, Just, I'm getting through that. That's an awesome three minute action scene. Next one I have for rewatchable the Duke shooting at the president. You are <laughs> hey,
1: on the wall. <laughs> number one.
0: You're the Duke. It's in the And that's really you're, the moment where you're, you're like, wait Duke. a second. You're, you're the Duke. You are the Duke of New York. You're a hey, number one. That's the moment when we realize, like, wait—the president has an English accent. It's probably the most <laughs> absurd moment of this movie, more absurd than the premise. But uh, did how many shots do you think he fires at him? Like about ten? Yeah. shooting if, at him.
1: If you count those holes around him, there's a bunch.
3: There's a yeah. lot of action movie rules for bullets in this movie because you have to imagine that bullets are in relatively short supply on the island of Manhattan. But yeah. Maggie seems to have like an unlimited amount of bullets. Yeah, and. and Snakes, snakes gun seems to never run out of ammo,
0: right? Never. Well, we have, we know the brain can make gas, which seems <laughs> uh, like a huge advantage. <laughs> so maybe he could have made bullets too. I left out a rewatchable scene that I should have mentioned. Just a small scene when uh, Romero, the guy I did the line at the top, when he co- goes to see Lee Van Cleef and yeah. hands him the finger and does the touch me he dies. They touch me he dies. If you're not in the air on 30 seconds, he dies. You come back in, he dies. Twenty seconds. I'm ready to talk.
2: Nineteen. Eighteen. What do you want? Seventeen. Sixteen. Let's go. Let's go.
0: That whole... 90-second scene, it just kind of establishes, oh, man, it's going to get fucking weird mm-hmm. in, in if Manhattan. You, if
3: you're watching the movie and you're like, man, I wonder what kind of uh, impact that would have if you were stuck on the penal colony of Manhattan Island. I wonder what wonder what that would do to somebody. And then you see Romero and you're like, oh. <laughs> it's It's got some negative side effects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turn, turns so, out at the tough beat. I love that
0: 90 seconds. It's on YouTube. You can watch it. Uh, next one. Just Incredible. Snake fights in the gladiator match.
1: Unreal. Unreal. I'm
0: trying to think at age 12, if I had more exciting moments that weren't related to sports, like for movies. I I feel like the Rocky II fight, Mm -hmm. the rematch against Creed was probably the most excited I'd ever been in a movie Mm -hmm. theater up to that Mm -hmm. point. This might have been second. Yeah. Where it's like, what's going on here? You don't know. They're just walking him to the ring. You don't know what's happening. They're yeah, like, where's he going? He's doesn't have a shirt on. It's like, go in there, climbs into the ring, and then the fucking ox baker shows up. Yeah. And it's like, hey, are there rules? Um, no, here's a bat.
1: Yeah. That was a, that was <laughs> the, nails the, in it. <laughs> the wild <laughs> part. When the fight starts and they hand them a bat. Like this is this is a starting level? Fucking bats? Are you serious? And then they have It seems like they have a break. It seems like there's a a break between rounds
0: where they're like, okay, now it's time for a shield and a bat.
3: Yeah. (laughs) I love that like in Manhattan, they still like they 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 still need live music. So they have like the burlesque show that Ernest Borgnine's in. They still need their sports. So they've got this like WWE going inside of of this old theater. It's great.
0: Shay, where does where does that Where they had the gladiator fight rank for you all time fight venues versus Kumite and and blood sport and places like that. All Valley Karate Championships. Like, where where is it?
1: All of the all of the like, where does this rank for you? It's always going to be in the top five. (laughs) So so this this to me, this to me is my single favorite reveal of the whole movie, because as they're going forward, they're showing you like this thing exists and that thing exists people come up from under the ground like there's a threat from below as well. You get to that like you've you've by this point in the movie you've stopped trying to figure out what's going to come next you're just watching it and then they show you that and like there's also gladiator fighting in this world is it's I I love that part a lot if I'm putting them in order Kumite is number one for me yeah me too um Kumite is number one the gladiator fight here you can put that at a, at a solid two. I I really like when they fight in the swimming pool in Lion uh, Lionheart. You remember Lionheart? They fight (laughs) in the. Yeah. I I love that one. Like those are going to be my three favorite finishes. But goddamn, when they when they drop this in the middle of everything else. Oh by the way, you also are going to fight for your life with a baseball bat with nails through it. Good luck against a giant. Holy shit! They do an amazing cutaway because at the same time, Brain and uh, Adrian
0: Barbeau are trying to steal the president. Mm -hmm. So we're in the middle of this fight, and they're like all right, let's go to Brain and Adrian Barbeau for a second. And that's going on for like a minute. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden we're back in the gladiator fight. Yeah. They're <laughs> it's like, whoa, this is still going? What's happening? <laughs> uh, the Them chanting Snake at the end is great. Snake everything's, Snake. everything's awesome. This is one of the better, to this point in life, one of the best action movie scenes I can remember. And then the last one is just the escape off the bridge and, uh, the president killing the Duke, the, the Duke. You're the Duke! You're the Duke! You're right number one! Uh, that whole thing. I have for most rewatchable scene uh, the gladiator match. What do you guys have?
1: I have a different one, one that you did not list. and it's Let's the, hear it. It's super quick and super fast, but I cannot get over how perfect that opening scene is when we don't see anything except they're laying the the island out on the screen in front of you and and, and specifically when they put the wall up around the island in parts and you're like oh fuck everybody in here is trapped I, I have not watched this movie probably for like two years I watched it um, early 2018 or something like that. And and I sat down last night and rewatched it. And when that part happened again, I just felt it in my body. I felt the excitement. I was so ready for what I knew was going to happen in this movie. Now that's my most rewatchable scene. I just love how they
3: set everything up right there. I have, Chris, uh, What do you got? I, I want to add one more rewatchable scene, which is the attack of the crazies uh, coming oh, yeah, out yeah, of the yeah. sewers. And um, just one of, one of Chris Ryan's all time, like, like, Ideal girlfriends is the girl in chock full of nuts hanging out. <laughs> she smokes. She likes hanging out in coffee shops. <laughs> she she loves to she loves to travel. <laughs> like she's just like, snake, take me with you. And then the guy comes up from the floor. Honestly, like one of my favorite tropes in action movies is stuff coming up from the floor and grabbing people. It's always mm-hmm. awesome in alien and aliens and stuff. It's great in this. The crazies are the Definitely the most terrifying part of like Manhattan to me, like the people living in the subway system who've, who've gone sewers, totally yeah. feral. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that scene is fucking awesome. It's And you really get to see, you know, like I think we'll obviously talk about this with half-ass internet research, but they shot this in East St. Louis. And the, the lead up to that where with him walking around those back alleys and those buildings and stuff is so haunting. It's It's just so wild. One of the, this is like a really good example of how good, and how big this
1: movie is because they very much tip their hand early on that this is about to happen. Yeah. You see the guy banging on the With sewer the, top, the, the, yeah, the sewers. And then and then they zoom in on Snake's feet as he's walking through the through the shop and he steps through the ground and then he keeps going and you have no idea like you you're just so spun around even a few minutes in and then this happens you're like, "Oh my god, every every single thing is a threat in this movie."
0: You know, one of my rules in life is if I'm downtown somewhere, some crazy guy just starts tapping on manholes and then running the next manhole and tapping. <laughs> and then the manholes start raised and people start coming out, like just uh-huh. run. yeah. I don't know, yeah. that's the way I live my <laughs> life. I don't know about you guys. I have more on Chock and of Nuts Lady in a second. What's age the best? We'll go into Romero a lot more when we have some of the actor categories, but I, I don't think it's ever been executed better.
1: Dynamite. Dynamite just,
0: It's so every, If you're like How would you improve Romero I'd be like Honestly I don't know it's I don't so, know I wouldn't add anything
1: So easy to screw That roll up And just to turn it Into something silly And goofy Yeah And he never does
3: It just feels It's the It's the unsettling. combination It's the combination Of the look Being so out there But then the, when he talks He sounds like an accountant like Yeah yeah, just yeah, like, yeah yeah Hey brain Where you doing Like it's just like So normal Where'd you get the hat Got it from Cabby oh, Yeah traded him. for what what are you so nervous about
1: you gotta see the president
3: who says the duke no he doesn't
1: <laughs> he's like
0: crackhead steve buscemi <laughs> crossed with like david bowie
1: yeah and, that's a, and that's...
0: he's just out of his mind he's Every moment he's on the screen, you're not looking at any other character. You're like, what's this guy going to yeah, do Yeah, he next? can
3: stand next to Isaac Hayes as the Duke, and you're like, I want to know more about Romero. Yeah,
0: what's up yeah. with Romero? What's going <laughs> on with him? He's listed as Romero in the credits. I don't think they ever say his name in the movie.
3: Yeah, but, great uh, great Night of the Living Dead homage with the t- character name there. And
0: apparently, he. W- I haven't seen Assault um, on Precinct 13 in a long time, but uh, apparently he's one of the people in that too, so he's he's had these two... Mm-hmm major action movies. Uh, more would say the best, the 80s theme music we mentioned. The bank robbery deleted scene is just a really fun YouTube if you love the movie. Just like a really fun seven minutes. It's like, oh, wow, here's another scene for this movie I didn't know existed. I love Romero's first line being, touch me, he dies. And before he does it, he does the thing he kind of bends down like it's a theater performance. He yeah. goes down and he puts his head down and then it sweeps up and then he rattles off those three lines. So every character that says, I heard you were dead to Snake, ends up dying in this movie. Did you guys realize that?
3: Oh,
1: I I didn't.
0: didn't, No, I I I never
1: even thought about that.
3: I know who you are.
0: Yeah, but I heard you were dead. I am. I thought you were dead.
1: Heard you were dead.
3: I heard you were dead. Snake,
0: I swear to God, I thought you were dead. Yeah, you and everybody else.
1: That's your car in the lobby.
0: It's like the kiss of death. It's like the oranges in The Godfather. If you say, if you say, I heard you were dead to stink, you're going to die. Uh, we mentioned the Gulf fire plane, the Duke's car hit everything. Any other, what's the best for you guys?
3: Uh, I would probably say that the way that the, the military installation looks like the Hawks like base yeah. is essentially like no one's ever improved that. No one's ever thought of like a cooler, like post dystopia military installation than that. Like when they do all those sweeping tracking shots of all the guys running to the choppers and Hawk walk, walking around, like that whole setup is just incredible. And uh, yeah, I think the thing that aged the best though is, is Russell. Like not, if you, if you put that character in that, that performance on screen today, you would just be like, that's amazing. If
0: you were just like, is this, how big of a star is this guy going to be after that movie? I think you would have said sky's the limit, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah, No question. So my pick here is the soundtrack. This, is, this, is, this might be my number one favorite movie soundtrack of all. Like the score is just un, unbelievably good still. It's like, I don't know, that synth, anytime a movie puts that in there, like there's a whole reason I like the movie Drive. They did that and I was like, oh shit, I remember this sound. I love this sound automatically. That one for me, what's age of the best. It's still good. It's still good today.
0: I'm trying to get it going. First 15 seconds, nothing happening on the YouTube side. <laughs> I'm
1: gonna
0: fast forward. Uh oh. Now it's kicking in. Little drum in here. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, see, you feel that. And and you just like we haven't we have not seen this before. We have not felt this feeling. It before. feels
0: futuristic, too. Yeah.
1: It does. That's exactly what it feels like. Futuristic, but in a terrifying way. Not like in a Jetsons kind of way like you right. do not want to be alive when we get to this period. But it has
3: a little bit of that Hill Street blues.
0: And it kicks it right here. <laughs> kick it in a little bit. Oh yeah. Little second second synth finger. If I had to add lyrics to this, it would be like he's touching the manhole. Get the fuck away. Oh, no. The sewer okay. people are coming. <laughs> oh, kick it again. Yeah. Um Best man in my wedding, (laughs) Jeff Gallo. We loved Carpenter. Like that was our guy. Mm -hmm. And he would play this. He, he could play the synthesizer and would just play that on the synth. And we would just get fired up. (laughs) We'd be like, let's, let's, let's watch some of this. Um, all right. What's age the worst. Someone flying, uh, the president's plane into a tall building in New York city is post 2001 is a little like, Oh, tough one. Uh, Donald Pleasance as our president, probably the most improbable president we've had in a movie. That's a really good question. Who do you think is his competition? He's not handsome. He's got an English accent. He seems shifty. He's like a shiftier Nixon, which I think maybe that's what <laughs> Carpenter's It's a shiftier English Nixon. It's just hard to imagine the scenario where he gets elected. There there's in the research they said, uh Pleasants wanted to come up with a backstory for how this guy became the president about how there was this Cold War. Everybody got annihilated. And at some point they had England gain more power. And that's how we ended up getting English president again. And Carpenter was like, cool idea, but uh, no. Just we're do not an gonna American accent yeah. when you can. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Um, The chock full and nuts scene with Season Hubly that uh, Chris loved so much. The only what's aged the worst for me is it seems there's about three minutes there or three seconds there where Snake's like, yeah, it might, maybe maybe some sex will be a good idea yeah. <laughs> right now. Like, I can't imagine a less appealing sex partner than the lady hanging out in the dark chock full of nuts who's <laughs> okay. been in a maximum security I'm gonna, prison.
3: I'm going to push back. Okay. When's the last time Snake has had any romance? Oh, interesting. And he's knows, he already knows he's he only prison. has- That's a good point. And he good only point. has like 18, 20 hours to live at that point. Yeah. Good so part. you gotta say like you know on one hand I have like a one in one hundred chance of this actually working out and getting the president out, or I can get laid. What's her
0: breath like <laughs> at that
3: point? Because you think
0: like morning breath's bad, <laughs> but like chock full of nuts, post-apocalypse maximum obscurity breath. Not maybe toothpaste. Maybe
3: brain had an inside line on some toothpaste. <laughs> made some
0: made brain made some toothpaste. Uh, oh, I have two more. Snake's tattoo could have been better. They could have spent more money and time on that. That could have been an awesome green snake. It it just looks like it was hastily done by like his buddy during the war in Leningrad or something.
3: My (laughs) only counter to that is that in the early 1980s, it was still pretty out there to get a tattoo. And I wonder whether or not, like if you if you make it, you know, it's 1997 in this in this world. And it's like, who's really doing tattoos in this world? Maybe maybe not fine artists. Maybe not the the best hand on drawings, you know? Shay, you get the tiebreaker. Tattoo, yes or no?
1: I'm pro tattoo in this thing. I like it. I like it. But you you
0: should have been green?
1: No, no, no. You know, snake is not a green snake. Snake is a black snake.
0: All right. I'll take the L. The other, uh, what's age the worst? Hawk's cell phone. This is a great (laughs) era for cell phones and movies. Hawk is... Basically holding a small car in his hand, the thing—the thing's like two feet long, and it's in '97. I'm pretty sure somebody should have given Carpenter the note, like, "Hey, man, by '97, these things might be smaller. Yeah. They're not going to be the size of a boat, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, not quite as big as Gordon Gecko's cell phone in Wall Street. But yeah. if you're talking about like the biggest cell phones and movies of the '80s, this might be the biggest one. Yeah. It's, it's massively it's, it's large. It's the
3: size of his head. It's fucking insane."
0: any other uh, what's age the worst for you guys
3: i just uh, the sound of the of of the fist fights in this movie is a little bit like really like kung fu movie where it's like yeah 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 i i for me
1: the the part that's age the worst is when they're at the at the like home base looking over the guy's shoulder and they're seeing the radar and they're watching the 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 light beep along as it goes and the yeah. guy's sitting there looking at it and he goes oh he's in the building now and you look at the radar and it's just circles, and the light doesn't move. Like, how the fuck did you know he got in the building? The light didn't even move, it just blinked. That to me was like any of the blinking red lights? We could have probably done a little bit better, maybe.
0: Uh let's go to casting what ifs. So the movie was funded by Avco Embassy Pictures. All the uh, all the movie production studios during this era sounded like fronts for drug cartels. <laughs> the they pre- for Charles Bronson or Tommy Lee Jones for Snake Puskin Really pushed Carpenter hard on one of those two people. Carpenter thought Bronson was too old. He thought he could lose directorial control over the picture with a more experienced actor and pushed really, really hard for Kurt Russell. Uh, they then approached Nick Nolte and Jeff Bridges. Neither guy was interested. Kind of settled on... They, they, they were like, all right, we'll give it to Carpenter. And it ends up being the decision that makes the movie. I will say... Nick Nolte as Snake Pliskin is kind of a fun
3: <laughs> thought bubble. Not funny. I'm either. not saying it's I, yeah. a good choice. I'm just saying it's it's in the mix, but he's not funny enough.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with Chris on this one. He's I funny in
3: 48 Hours though. Out of that out
1: of that list, the only name who like could maybe do it is Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, but he's not quite cool enough. Kurt Russell is cool in this almost like untouchable way that you you need for you need a character named Snake Pliskin to be untouchably cool. Bill, that's can Kurt I just Russell.
3: say really quick too, that's such a great point by you about the the studios and the small production companies that were around in the early 80s because if you look at like the Wikipedia pages for some of those, it's like, yeah, they made like these ten action movies and they were also Israeli arms dealers. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like based in Monaco, and you're like, really? Like <laughs> Right. Even like we joked on a previous
0: rewatchables about some of the names of the of the people who made the movies just sounded like fake names. Bond villains, like, yeah. Mustafa Akkad. <laughs> it's like that's is that a real person? Uh one more casting, what if? I thought this was a good one. Originally set to play Brain. Warren Oates, the guy from Stripes, the guy who played uh, cool. Bill Murray's Army, whatever, and uh he wasn't feeling good and bowed out and recommended Harry Dean Stanton. So they went that way instead. And then he he had a heart attack later that year. He died. So he died like basically either during stripes or right after stripes. I can't remember if he'd finished filming or not. That's all I have for casting would if's. And then Susan Hubly was married to Kurt Russell, the Chuck Full and Nuts lady. That's how she ended up. Oh, no the wonder cameo. they had such chemistry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right. Well, this is an emotional moment for the rewatchables. I think this is the first time this ever happened where we have three acting categories. Best That Guy, a.k.a. the Joey Pants Award, the Vincent Hanna They Knew Award, and the Dan Waiters award. I don't know if anyone's ever swept all three.
3: Could could we see a, a Frank Doubleday triple crown win here? I think I <laughs> I was trying to think like how does this rate against
0: when it's happened in baseball? You know, it's it's very infrequent. What are what's like the basketball equivalent of it? Like I guess uh-huh. winning points and assists and winning the NBA title. The triple crown, I, I'm pretty sure we'll have to we have a good Facebook group for the rewatchables and they're pretty good at uh at the nitty gritty of this stuff. I'm pretty sure nobody's ever won all three. I would like to submit Frank Doubleday as Romero, aka Crackhead Steve Buscemi slash David Bowie, as our first Triple Crown winner.
3: I yeah. I, I can't argue second. With you. I mean, there's so many good good performances in this movie, and there are so many Joey Pants people, and so many Vincent Hanna people, and so many Dion Waiters people, but nobody is is nobody is on Frank's level. He does. He does so Best many that guy he things. Wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That
0: guy. It's like I don't. I never knew what this guy. I've seen this movie for thirty nine straight years. Never knew what this guy's name was. Just knew mm-hmm. him as the guy from this movie. The they knew award. He dials it up into the twenties. Yeah, the
3: only person pushing like uh, like on his level is Borg-9. And Harry
0: Dean Stanton has one scene where he's just flying off the handle and. And like, Pleasance, right, when, down, when
3: Pleasance is screaming, "You're the Duke, a number one shooting a machine gun." That's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty, Vincent Hanna. <laughs>
0: but for Frank Doubleday, it's child's play. He's he's just annihilating everybody. And then uh, for the Dion Waiters award, the other nominees would be Adrian Barbeau, who's fantastic. Who I feel bad for her. It's like one of those years where there's so many good MVP candidates. It's like, hey man, not everyone could be the MVP this season. We had somebody <laughs> have a a career year, and it's a superstar. And sorry, T
3: Mac. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh,
0: Isaac Hayes is a really strong Dan Waiter's performance yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Every scene he's in, he's riveting. And then uh, Borgnine is, you know, who who was a really famous actor from yeah. the 50s, 60s, 70s. He's just kind of having fun in here. But I, I think, unless you guys uh, object, I think it's a triple crown.
1: Yeah, he's he's too good. All of the other characters you listed, they're all good at, like, usually one thing, and... Double Day comes in and does every single thing. Like he's terrifying in that opening scene. And then when he answers the door and he gets outsmarted by brain, you can see how insecure he is in that situation. He's like, I don't, I don't wait. Are you sure? What do you mean? Okay, come on in. And then when he gets killed and you watch him, how he dies, he gets stabbed and he sort of falls back, but his knees are still up. You're like, this is the weirdest way I've ever seen anybody die. And it makes perfect sense. I love, I love, I love him. I love him. I love everything he does. He has that one part when, uh,
0: when the first time where it's like Harry Dean, where brain and Adrian Barbeau, they are like, Oh, you know, snake pulled a gun on us. It's not our fault. And it's just, it's a little shaky. And, and, and the guy's walking away and he walks by them and just kind of turns and points. Yeah. 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 Just points at them <laughs> as he's walking away. It's so good. Every choice this guy makes is a home run. Frank Doubleday, <laughs> one of the great actors, uh, half-assed in her research. She said the narrator was Jamie Lee Curtis. Russell stayed in character during the entire even like when they weren't shooting stuff the only thing he did he had to take the eye patch off cuz it was fucking with his uh depth perception the uh we mentioned how it's filmed in St. Louis they it's in the wikipedia they sent their location manager on an all expenses paid trip across the country looking for the worst city in America and they settled on East St. Louis, like just for how dystopian it was in real life, Tough. so that's depressing Tough. that sounds like um,
3: that would be an amazing ringer piece is to to, to get a writer and, and like just send them out on the road like that so it had a
0: whole bunch of old buildings that looked new yorky. it had the river east St Louis. it had a bridge that they were able to do some stuff with, and they had because of the massive fire in nineteen seventy six neighborhoods burned out and just block after block of burnt out rubble, they said so um, it just kind of worked. They also had the old chain of rocks bridge that he purchased for $1 carpenter to make it, make it go. And then the city helped them out. They shut off 10 blocks of electricity every night so they could film scenes in different pieces. Uh, so that's that. Um, when Maggie dies, the focus group, which included a guy by the name of JJ Abrams, who's 11 years old. He told this story in an NPR interview. The focus group said it was unclear if Maggie died or not, and J.J. Abrams claims he was the one who suggested a Carpenter in the focus group that we need to see a shot of her dead. And Carpenter was married to Adrian Barbeau at the time, so they filmed in her garage. In their garage, they filmed that scene you see of her just bloody and dead. Really, to add that to make sure she was dead. So J.J. Abrams' first uh, contribution. Another crazy thing. Guy who did the special effects, that scene you like about where they spell out the what New York City looks like. And the mm-hmm. guy who is one of the directors of photography on the film, James Cameron.
3: Yep. See, there you go. <laughs> Three years before should... Terminator and was referred to on the set as like the set genius. Like people were right. like, this, this guy is special. So yeah.
0: it's almost like Belichick being on... Parcells' <laughs> staff on the 96 Patriots where they're like, holy shit, how is Belichick just a defensive coordinator?
1: I was wondering how long it was going to take before we got the, the Belichick drop. Uh, you got, and, you and got and it, it right there, Shay. Here we are.
0: The co-writer of the movie, Nick Castle, also played Michael Myers in Halloween because he helped Carpenter with that movie too. And when they were trying to figure out Michael Myers, they were just like, hey, Nick, put a mask on. And he became Michael Myers. And then uh, the Secret Service agent attempted to break into the cockpit of the airplane at the beginning of the movie was the son of Gerald Ford, Stephen Ford. Okay. Who was trying to be an actor at that time. So there you go. Apex mountain. The Kurt Russell case can be a yes or it can be a no. It's certainly my favorite Kurt Russell moment, but I do think he wasn't a big star when this movie came out and went on to do a lot of things. The Goldie Hawn marriage was a huge thing for him. So I honestly don't even know what his Apex Mountain was. It just feels like
3: he's been around for 40 years. This is a great debate. I think that arguably it's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Tango and Cash, like, wasn't that like a really, really, really big deal? Like, there was a really big Hollywood movie when it came out. That, yeah, he yeah, had that, that one in backdraft, back to back. I remember being like, this is a moment.
0: Could it be Tombstone. Cause he, you know, he rewrote a lot of that movie. We did that podcast
3: about how important. But Tombstone he was, for that was movie. a little bit more of like, it was his, it was his renaissance, right? Like it was like okay. he'd kind of been out of the mix for a little while, and then he comes and does Tombstone in '93 after Captain Ron, which people didn't really love. I mean, Shay, I think it, that's right. It's like around Tango and Cash. Backdraft is probably when he's his biggest star. My favorite, my favorite Kurt Russell is still Big Trouble, though. Yeah, mine mine too. But if we're looking at Kurt Russell's career as a whole
1: and we're like retrofitting everything, I think Escape from New York is when you go like, okay, this is this guy's the fucking
3: guy. Bill, where are you at? Where are you at with Tequila sunrise? Oh, love it. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Good one. Um, yeah, maybe it's probably somewhere
0: there. It's late eighties. He's with Goldie Hawn already. He's a big enough star that they have to make Escape from LA. Maybe Escape from LA is weirdly the making of that movie is probably his apex. Ox Baker, yes. Adrian Barbeau was on Maude for like six years, and that was uh, one of the ten biggest shows during a time when every TV show was watched by thirty million people. So I feel like Maude was her apex. John Carpenter, Halloween, nineteen ninety seven, apex. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what else is What else is in there?
0: I was trying to remember what happened in nineteen ninety seven in in real life, and it's like Jordan beat Utah the flu game. Bill Clinton, the Lewinsky scandal starts. The internet is kind of rounding into shape. Music's starting to get really bad. It wasn't a great movie year.
1: Face Off came out in '97. That's the only thing yeah, I remember I don't know. from '97. Make the
0: case. Uh, and then um, dystopian New York movies. I think this is number one.
3: This is definitely number one. New York yeah, has yeah. gone gone yeah. to
0: hell. Picking nits. Can we talk about a uh, president flying to some summit to save the world? He's got a tracking bracelet. He's handcuffed to his briefcase. He's got a cassette tape that includes his secret to uh, using nuclear fusion to replace electricity as a peace offering. No other copies of the tape. Nope. Just that one.
1: Just a Snake Plissken
3: just walking out of a prison with that in his pocket.
1: This is this is like when they did Watch the Throne, and Jay Z and Kanye only had the album on one hard drive, and that was the only way you could get it was with that one hard drive. Same thing here. It's as important nuclear fission. Just in general, like what's
3: bad what's, plan? What's the flight plan there?
0: Yeah, bad plan. I would I would add a second tape. Like, hey, what happens if this plane goes down? And then on top of it, so really important plane. We have you know only a couple people, like a couple flight attendants, and somehow the flight attendants are terrorists. Like no background <laughs> treks. I know things are a little crazy. We just had World War Three. We're slipping a little bit in different ways, but uh, hard to believe the terrorists could get on there. Brain makes his own gas. That's another nitpick. They, it's just kind of thrown
1: out there. They just put the oil rig in the background and you see it working. Yeah, all that's the time. awesome.
3: I, I guess that's how they get gas, is out of the earth. I don't know. Sure. He can make his own gas, but it takes him like 10 minutes to figure out where... The, like where a, high, a tall building in New York City would be. So he's, in, he's not going to be in Central Park. There's too many trees. Wait a second. Yeah, Can you be a little smarter? Every, you can't call every... yourself Brain and not be able to just nail that in the first try. Brain,
0: he brings Snake right to where the president is and the odds are Snake's going to get captured within five seconds. Like I, I'm pretty sure somebody named Brain would have uh, not done that. The president, wh- wh- how do you guys feel about the concept of an escape pod? Where it's like That's gotta be that has to be
1: a real thing. That's gotta we've be We've gotta real to thing.
0: eject the president out of this egg and it's yeah. just gonna land, and wherever it lands, somebody's gonna be able to easily break into it and get him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, also just like the whole thing with so if he they're sending him out on his own, but they expect him to get out with other people. Like, why couldn't they send a couple of Secret Service guys with him? You want a bigger pod the pod. Like multiple yeah, pods? Yeah, a pod
0: bigger. And then how does the pod get released from the airplane? I had a lot of questions about the escape pod. After uh, Snake kills Zox Baker in the tremendous gladiator fight, everybody just kind of forgets to keep yeah. guarding him. He's yeah. supposed mm-hmm. to be this danger. Well, they're, they're, of, they're
3: super into him as a player. They're like, hey, yeah, this is my new favorite good.
0: guy. Good, man. <laughs> grab, your, grab your watch, grab your t-shirt. You're good to go.
3: I don't think that there's a lot of, like, uh, you know, loyalty to Duke as a leader necessarily. You know, I don't, I don't think yeah. they were just like, oh, no, like, what's the Duke say? It's like once Romero goes, he loses his PR guy, you know?
0: Yeah, <laughs> It's tough to keep those sewer guys in line. Yeah, he's, I, he's got a lot of...
1: That was my my one nitpick was, I feel like Romero should have been allowed to watch the fight. He should not have had to stay with it. Like, good call. You've, you've yeah, he deserved this. it.
0: He deserved it with his performance. So, injecting somebody with a 24-hour exploding capsule yeah. that to the second, um, you know, Snake... To the last like 10 seconds it's still and then they do a little heat thing and they burn it out i don't even think we'd have the technology now to be like in exactly 24 hours this thing explodes but i guess like what if we're off by a minute
1: it, yeah we couldn't do it now where because that was the the thing that was a, a little confusing there was they, they said it's going to dissolve at exactly this time the dissolve we probably couldn't get just making it explode at a certain time sure we can do
3: that i don't think we needed the whole dissolve angle the one thing I love, though, with the dissolving is it gives us one of the best lines of the movie. We'll burn out the charges if you have the present. What if I'm a
2: little late? <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh,
0: there's some daylight, nighttime, confusing stuff where he goes in at night. night. Night's forever. He gets knocked out. It's light again. But then... By the time they're escaping, it's nighttime again. It, it seems like there's daylight here in uh in Manhattan for about eight hours in this mm-hmm. movie out of the out of the twenty-four. I'd say I, I don't know, unless this was Alaska. I think they're a little off on that. And then uh Cabby just kind of ends up with the tape as a throwaway line. They mentioned how he he made a trade with Romero where it's like For the hat. I gave him the hat. He gave me this tape. It's like how were they negotiating? Were they, yeah. Was it their <laughs> fantasy league on the internet where they just started talking trade? Like, were Romero and the cabbie hanging out? How does this come up?
3: I think it's just a barter economy there, man. You, yeah, you got to keep goods moving. Okay. Any other <laughs> nitpicks?
1: No, I don't have any other ones. That was my main one.
3: No, I mean, I, I just, uh, I, I think that my, mine is more of like an unanswerable question, which is just about the surrounding area.
1: And how, the
0: electricity and the plumbing.
3: Yeah, like they do food drops. I get that. They have their own system of entertainment with the burlesques and the gladiator fights. That's pretty cool. There is some gas there. Do you think Duke what what other kind of services do you think Duke provides to to garner so much loyalty among these people?
0: Very unclear.
3: He so they they like hint a little bit at it
1: when they say um, Oh, the Duke is going to take us all out of here. I think that's like his main thing is once you get in a little, a little right. bit of position of power and you start telling everybody, just let me be in charge. Cause I'm going to get us out of here. Everybody goes like, all right. Well, See, my thing would be like
3: doing. I my, my p- platform would be, we're probably, <laughs> we're probably not getting out. Yeah. So let's, let's maybe clean up the streets a little bit. You know what I mean? Like everybody's responsible for one block. You sweep up a little bit. We spruce it up. We maybe plant a garden. You know, we get a little corn going maybe in Central Park, do what we can, get some crops yeah. running. Like, it's like we're, we're here for the long haul. Maybe make a plan. I think I, I like I legitimately think if
1: you had all of the prisoners in one place all at the same time and we're like, this is your area. I don't think it turns out like that. I think they make it they just make it like a normal place to live. I don't it's think it tough. goes like it's super tough because crazy. Like as
3: soon as one guy goes Romero. You know what I mean? Where they're like, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I could do all these chores or I could grow my hair out and be cracked out Steve Buscemi and go like, do <laughs> you think? He was pa- He was patient zero for yeah. like the anarchy. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Chris would have tried to win over the sewer people first because those are probably the easiest people to get.
3: Yeah. Just be like, hey man,
0: I'll help you with like, I'll clean the manhole covers once a week.
3: I don't know if you guys have been to Chock Full of Nuts, but there's a ton of <laughs> toothpaste there. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, Best quote? Do you have a favorite quote from this movie?
3: I all of it. I mean, yeah. every every line between the entire scene, the first scene between Hawk and and Snake. Pretty much any time Snake talks is one of my favorite lines. I and mean, we could go through line by line here.
0: Snake Puskin, I thought you were dead. It's just like the main takeaway
3: of that and touch me, he dies. But there, there's so many good one liners sprinkled through here. I love when I love when. Uh, Hawks like 18 hours left Bliskin and says like listen to me Hawk the president is dead you got that somebody's had him for dinner <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I just I really like w- w- when they call Duke A number 1 you're A number 1 Who's the Duke
0: The Duke the Duke of New York A number 1 the big man that's who
1: That's like a really touching nice thing to say to somebody that's yeah. my favorite that's my favorite line of the thing I think
0: you should say that to the people in your house Shay you should just have your kids.
1: I say it all the time. You tell the kids
0: yeah. to say, you're Shay, you're dad, you're a number one. <laughs> just tell them to yell that at you.
1: Whenever I put them to sleep and I kiss them on their forehead and then instead of, instead of saying, I love you, I say, you're a number one and then I just mm. leave.
0: Next category is, could this be remade as a 10 episode Netflix show? Um, fuck yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Now, today? Yeah.
0: I, I think there would be so many advantages in 2020 with trying to do this idea.
1: So, you know. so We were talking about that. Craig and I were talking about that immediately before we started recording the podcast. And he was saying, I wish they would have done this movie 10 years later, 15 years later, or whatever. Uh, To which I said, that's when they did Escape from LA and it was not as good. And I think the reason it was not as good, part of it, anyway, is because there's just a little bit of magic sprinkled in having to do all of those things at that time. And you watch it now and you're like, clearly this is fake. Clearly this is not like a real thing, but it, it makes it better. This is one of those movies... I think it had to be made at this time. Uh, if you make it now, of course I will watch it, and it, it'll probably be pretty good. But I think you'll be as soon as you start like doing the special effects in there. I think you you you're going to lose a little bit of it. Yeah. I always thought, Chris, have you been to Catalina?
3: Yeah.
0: I always thought that would be the best escape from New York location. It's a pretty sizable island. It takes maybe twenty minutes to go from one side to the other. It's out, it's so she, it's like probably 25 minute helicopter ride from, you know, uh, Long Beach. So it, you can see it. Like if you're looking at the Pacific Ocean, you can see Catalina, but it's hard to get there. It's it's on its own thing and it's its own. It's got restaurants, it's got, you can zip line. It's got really nice hotel. There's a bunch of things to do. There's a summer camp there, a uh, huge tourist location, but ultimately it would be an amazing Escape from New York setup. Where they, where it was just like California has decided, all of all of its inmates are just going to go to Catalina Island and there's no way out, and they can form their own society. I would at least watch the first fifteen minutes of that as a TV show. Be like, yeah. all right, I want to see how they try to pull this off. I mm-hmm. would.
3: The only uh, other suggestion I would have is make it escape to to New York. So basically, New York is the only safe place, and ever the rest of the country is, is just a prison and, or oh. a wild, wild area. But Manhattan is the only area that's still protected and has food and is, is normal. Oh, I like that. And you have to get into Manhattan. I like that idea. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> How do you good. get in?
3: However you got to get in, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably unanswerable
0: questions. What happened in World War Three? Did we win? State fought in Leningrad. He fought in Siberia. We have a British president. Uh, It's complete
3: dystopia. It feels like a loss, right? We absolutely lost that war. Yeah, I think that they explained it in like the novelizations and the comic books and stuff like that. But it was we were we we sustained things long enough to escape from LA as well.
0: Chris, this question is for you. How did it go ultimately, long term, for the National National Liberation Front of America <laughs> after the successful crashing of the plane? Like ultimately, what was next for them? Did was that their meeting? <laughs> do you top that? that? <laughs> yeah, it was were they like we're good, or was yeah. this like was yeah. this was this a foothold for them to what's do more the, what's, stuff? What are their
3: meetings like? You know, I feel like there's a lot of yelling over people, and that it's like hard to get get a word in edgewise. I don't know how you top like both capturing the president and also losing him.
0: <laughs> well, and they it seemed like they were an oppressed workforce and a police state yeah. trying to prove some sort of point.
3: Yeah, that, they're supposed to be like the weather underground, like the uh yeah. the that kind of thing.
0: Shay, this question is for you. Mm-hmm. This is the most important part of the podcast, by the way, for people listening at home. When I surprise Shay with a big picture, ridiculous question and he answers it like we rehearsed it beforehand. <laughs> Shay, you get sent to New York. It's a maximum security prison. What's your move? What, what's your, what are your first three days like? Who do you befriend? What crew do you try to join? Ultimately, what's your destiny? You're there for 20 years. What do you, What are you trying to do? Are you trying to get in with the Duke? Are you trying to get in with Brain? Are you just like, I'll go live in the sewers? Are you trying to start your own community? What are you doing? What's your move?
1: Okay, I'm going to answer this in two parts. Number one, if this was like a real actual situation and the real me was there, I'm a hundred percent going to end up in the sewer. Like that, that That's just where I, where I belong. I think in that economy, <laughs> I think you have to be like, a like. A, I'm not going to survive a gladiator fight. I know that going in. Yeah. So let me just um, go on down here. If not that they mentioned very early on when snake is walking through the hallway, if you don't want to go to New York, we'll cremate you right now. I probably take, that option as well Um, but if it's the movie version of me and i get to be tough and i have like a cool guy michael pena is playing me in the movie i'm going after the duke i'm putting i'm putting a a baseball bat with the nails through his forehead and i'm the new duke is how that movie ends
0: chris are you trying to step on cabby's territory and maybe rival cab company
3: no bill but i'm glad you asked (laughs) here's the thing i'm a content guy So I I immediately start a pirate radio station, and I become the Colin Coward of Penal Comedy, Matt. And I'm like, coming up next! Are we sure the brain isn't the brains behind the Duke? First, a word from Chock Full of Nuts. Coming up next,
0: could we be using the World Trade Center better? A lot of floors! That's next. Uh... One more question for
1: unanswerable.
0: <laughs> what happened to the New York sports teams in this scenario? Like where did the Knicks move So the to? Yankees are gone. I mentioned the
3: Yankees in the uh, mm-hmm. in the thing. I think you could expand this question is just like. So where did everybody the, go? So you're living in. Are we supposed to believe that Manhattan was on the downturn already? So like, yes. let's say you have a place yes. on Central Park West. You have season tickets for the Yankees. And, you know, life in New York has gotten worse. But it's still the cultural hub of the planet.
0: You're clearing out to Connecticut. You're you're in New Canaan.
3: Okay. So like what's the pitch I mean, what's the point of going to Connecticut though? That's the only reason you go to Connecticut is to be adjacent to New York.
0: Sure. Maybe you just go west coast. I don't yeah. know.
3: What's the pitch when you're like, hey, so we're gonna need to uh move you out of here?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's tough. You would have had to convince how many people live in New York? Like 25, 30 million people. Yeah. I don't even know the number. Uh hey, you guys all have to go. I think from a from a missed opportunity standpoint not having MSG in this movie was a miss yeah i i'm sure it was too expensive they would have to fake how do you yeah. fake a 20,000 seat thing but like if you had the gladiator fight in MSG
3: mhm or Yankee Stadium where they, yeah
0: yeah or yeah you use like the real stadium but yeah i assume you know i i i think ultimately this leads to my next question is this a better scenario for the Knicks than how it played out once James <laughs> Dolan bought the team? That's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, if you're for a Knicks fan, would you rather have this version where New York becomes a dystopian prison, or would you rather have the version where James Dolan buys the team in 1999?
3: Right? <laughs> is is Brain a better GM than Scott Layden? <laughs> Did the Knicks make
0: out worse in this scenario
3: where New York has been demolished?
0: Uh, Do they still right. get
3: Patrick Ewing? Yeah.
0: Last question. Who won the movie? Kurt Russell.
3: Kurt Russell. Yeah. Romero also
0: gets huge wins. And Carpenter. Yeah. And Carpenter. uh, All the way around. This sets up all the fun action movies to come. New segment on the rewatchables. Producer Craig. Oh, we're bringing him in. Producer Craig. Let's go. Um, Didn't know I was coming in. He's in his mid-20s. He works for The Ringer. Hasn't seen most of these movies. So we thought with some of these older ones, Producer Craig comes in, gives his quick reaction what'd you think the biggest thing that jumped out to me was the music is now cool again music in this movie is like
2: what people are listening to and what they want out of like daft punk or some shit love the 80s since all in on that and also there's no kurt russell's anymore who's current kurt russell
1: kurt russell makes this movie kurt russell is still kurt russell yeah kurt russell is (laughs) remain kurt russell
2: (laughs) it's like not chris hemsworth but i feel like that's who it would be if they made this movie today
0: Right. But, if Kurt Russell's yeah. in excavation, it's immediately 20% better. 1981 Kurt Russell. Extraction. Yeah, like, which extraction. guy? Extraction.
3: You basically have to figure out which guy in Triple Frontier could have done this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good Page point. Pascal, maybe. Yeah. yeah.
0: Craig, did you watch this with your girlfriend? And if you did, what was her reaction?
2: So this was middle ground for me and Liz. Uh, two out of four for Liz. Not bad. Checked the phone a bit, was off doing other things. We'd come back, check in. Didn't love the jumpy moments. But uh, better than some previous movies we've
0: watched. All right. Really? Well, that new segment was a huge win. Producer Craig weighing in. <laughs> the last category. What a way to uh, finish. We're going to uh, we're gonna play right now the piece from the podcast I did with Kurt Russell where he talks about Escape from New York and what it meant to him. That's the end of this part of the rewatchable. Shay, Chris, Craig, thanks so much. And uh, we'll see you next time.
3: Later, guys. See ya.
0: Escape from New York. One of my all-time favorites. John Carpenter. Great who family. also directed Halloween, which is another one of my all-time favorites. So I was predisposed to like this movie. An unbelievable premise. Although yeah. in retrospect, it was 16 years later. New York City has been turned into a maximum security prison, yeah. and now it's like 36 years later. It's, it's, maybe they should have put that in like <laughs> well, it's 2050. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it uh,
2: I thought it was a great idea too. It was unbelievable. And, one of the uh, best ideas yeah. of any action movie. Yeah, and and I had. Uh... I I it was you know the, but the fact that John Carpenter stuck to his guns and wanted to cast me at that time at that age with what I'd done in the past. Yeah. Um uh, there was the that was another uh, a continuing wonderful opportunity and break for me. Yeah. <clears throat> and I don't I very few directors would have would have looked at me and said I I want him to play this part because the part itself was uh, quite different from any 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 character like that at the time. He wasn't a it, great guy. Well that's the thing. It all the movies with the let's say the forty year old uh, stalwarts of, of of those kinds of of a movie where a guy's gonna get revenge or a movie's gonna, but that was the point. I kinda jumped the gun there. All those characters had social redeeming values either yeah. their wives had been raped and burned in a western their family had been run over by you know by the, the the mafia had come in whatever the situation was the lead guy had a reason that we knew of to go wreak havoc or to go do what he's going to do yeah. and not be very happy about it or not whatever this one didn't have that this was this was a guy who was something had happened to him he was a war hero And something had happened. Who lost his way? No, he didn't lose his way, he found his way. (laughs) When you're you're a psychopath (laughs) and you don't know it, it's wonderful to find your way. (laughs) And he just became a a one man, I don't give a shit, wrecking crew. Yeah. Who wasn't and what's interesting about the movie is he's not a wrecking crew. He's just he's very it's a very quiet movie. People have a tendency to hear about Escape escape from New York, then see it and kind of go oh, wow, that's kind of really different than I imagined from what I've heard. It's not an action movie. No. It's a it's a movie about a guy who is there because he's got those things in his neck. Otherwise, he wouldn't be there, president or not. My favorite line in that movie is, president or what? But, right. You know, he just doesn't care. He, he, he just doesn't care. He just, you know, if you get deeper and deeper into Snake Plissken, which is, you know, they're talking about doing sequels and things like that to it. You have to understand some things about Snake Plissken, I think, that are very important. First of all, he's American. There's a reason he's in that ring with a baseball bat with nails in it. Yeah. Because I'm playing him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty good with that bat in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> he was an American. Yeah. He's not an international guy. He's not James Bond. He's the the negative James Bond. Uh, he's American. That's that's a very important thing. And the other thing is, is that, you know, to get further into him, and if you watch the movie and you see it, he's an escape artist and the only thing he can't escape is himself and that's that's the thing that makes him the way he is yeah so anybody who's going to do the what he's going to do in the future should i think look at that and begin to understand that about that character and and you have to have a certain certain sense of humor i think to find the balance that makes him work for the audience it's
0: a netflix series if it comes back I think it's like 13 episodes. Yeah, I don't know. we're in New mean, York you know, and Maximum like security. Make, I
2: like to make remakes because they are flawed. Either they're flawed in casting or they're flawed in the screenplay. Yeah, when it's not when you don't have that, <clears throat> you face an uphill battle. In in doing anything that you're going to do that John Carpenter did, you're facing a different battle. John Carpenter has a, a look at life that is just different from anybody else's. It's what gives him, I think, his great talent. My-
0: my rule on remakes is if if I can still watch it and I still enjoy the hell out of it, don't remake it.
2: Well, there's nothing sacred, you know. I mean, John and I did. I think Snake Puskin's a little but, bit sacred. Well, yeah, I know what you mean because people people feel. I just that way. I wouldn't enjoy you know, yeah, it unless people, people feel that. way. Yeah, that, right. Well, or or at best, or at worst, I become Sean Connery, who is James Bond. I don't care. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, you can. I I know a lot of the guys that play. They're all really good.
0: But Sean Connery, but Sean, Sean Connery is
2: James Bond. Yeah, that's just the way it is. Um. So leave it alone But I, I'm kind of that way But it's like John and I did The Thing Which is a remake But John didn't do The Thing That was made as a movie He did the book Who Goes There And they used the title of The Thing And a movie The Thing is a movie That's connected to nuclear The future potential of nuclear power And what's, what's going to fall on your head from above What's going to come to earth the thing was a movie, the, the John Carpenter's The Thing is a movie that, that, as he said to me, I said, what's this movie about, John? He said, Paranoia. And I said, oh, great. <laughs> <I'm in. laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. A, a Seven Foot Carrot maybe was cool in the 50s. I don't know. But um, I, I, you know, and, and, that's, and that's a great, Howard Hawks made a great movie. I mean, it's a classic horror film. I like, I like the sort of more thriller aspect or the psychological aspect of, of Paranoia. And if you put 12 people, 12 men in a in McMurdo Station in the Antarctic and you give them this particular problem, I, 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 I like watching the human being, the, the, the decay, you know, the decomposition of everything happening right. through your own. And finally, to the point where you don't know for you don't know yourself if you're you, you know,
3: and what if we we're, what if we're
2: already all what if we're all what, is, what if this happened and we're already just imitations of 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 our ancestry? Um, I, I love that kind of what if stuff.
0: Did Snake you had to be at wear an eye patch the whole time?
2: Snake to me was a guy who had been injured. I also wanted to and John was great this way. I said, I, I think he should wear an eye patch. And, and John immediately went, Yeah, nobody's worn an eye patch since John Wayne and True <laughs> Great. I like that idea. Why? I said, I don't know. It's just something about I think that he's got an injury that will he will care he will physically, visually carry with him. And if you mm-hmm. look at my snake, he's always slightly in pain like it's something like something happened to his eye that wasn't quite fixed and it's 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 a constant he's trying to constantly look
0: past it yeah
2: or it has abilities that we don't know about
0: oh that's because
2: it was a futuristic picture yeah so maybe he's going to lift that eye patch at some time and Shoot you with it. <laughs> Something. Who knows? You know.
0: The biggest flaw with that movie, as much as I love Donald Pleasance and he was the rock of Halloween, the American president with the foreign accent.
2: Yeah, well that was the no, that's intentional.
0: What was intentional about it?
2: It's the future. Even it's the pre- a future it, <laughs> yeah, think about it. Even the future doesn't <laughs> the president doesn't come from here. It's a that's a concern, and you right. got it. <laughs>